Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansers on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We spend a lot of time talking about the importance of the economy and economic development to the health of a community like Baton Rouge, and certainly jobs and opportunities are what keep a city growing and humming. But cultural and educational attractions like museums and galleries are increasingly key in attracting young people and what author Richard Florida has called creative class professionals to the market. What does Baton Rouge have to offer and how are those institutions performing? Joining me to discuss this today is Peter Olson. He's the executive director of the Knock Knock Children's Museum, which opened in July after nearly a decade of planning and fundraising. The Knock Knock Children's Museum was the inspiration of a dedicated group of then young mothers in the city who worked tirelessly to create a truly first-rate educational and entertaining attraction for children in this city. Peter was recruited from his native Minnesota, where he grew up on a dairy farm and eventually found his way into the world of museums. He was director of exhibits at the Minnesota Children's Museum in St. Paul and more recently was executive director of the Children's Museum of Southern Minnesota, which he helped to establish over the course of seven years. Peter, we're excited to have you in Baton Rouge and especially here on Out to Lunch. Welcome. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. With me and Peter at the table this afternoon is Jason Andreessen, executive director of the Baton Rouge Gallery, one of the hidden gems in this community and something of a neighbor to the Knock Knock Children's Museum. Baton Rouge Gallery is tucked away in City Park and for 50 years now has showcased contemporary art and artists from Baton Rouge and Louisiana. Over the past five decades, some of the most admired visual artists have shared their work on the walls at Baton Rouge Gallery. Artists like Caroline Drurier, Ed Pramick, James Burke, Frank Hayden, Paul Dufour, Janice Saxe, and many more were at the inception of the gallery, and they helped lay the foundation for a new avenue of art to be experienced in Baton Rouge. Jason has served at the helm of the gallery since 2008, three years after relocating to Baton Rouge from his native Miami with plans of becoming an attorney. Jason, we're <laughs> glad you switched gears and careers and look forward to hearing your story. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, Peter, Knock Knock was a long time in the making. Really great facility. I was there at the opening with all the city officials and state officials. What makes it unique? And tell us a little bit about how it's organized and, and really what makes it stand out as a children's museum. Sure. Well, there's, uh, I think, a long list of things that makes Knock Knock stand out. The first, of course, is its name. Uh, I love uh, the creativity and the playfulness of uh, the moniker Knock Knock Children's Museum. At for When I first heard about it, I was like, what? what? What's that? <laughs> right. And, and it's just grown on me so much. And it's, I think it, it really it really sticks with people. Um, so the the uh, building, um, as you know, from being there at opening, is, is on two levels. And we have about 14,000 square feet of learning zones, which are hands-on, immersive, really fanciful exhibitions that are uh, just irresistible to children. Um, and what we're seeing is just a lot of um, just 
enthusiasm from our visitorship. These kids are having an incredible time in there. Um, we have big, big numbers of people coming in, especially on weekends. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to ask you. It's only been open a few months now. What kind of numbers are y'all seeing? And it's it is it's impressive to me. Uh, we've had about thirty thousand visitors since we opened. Wow. Um, and we have around twenty five hundred family memberships. Mm. Uh, we've we've had to get really smart about our operations really quickly because. You know, we opened um, August 22nd, and that really gives families Saturday and Sunday. Right, because everybody was already in school. In school, yeah. Uh, so we are trying our hardest to really be able to accept that, uh, that amount of visitorship in a very comfortable and enjoyable way. So we've gotten creative with using our backyard. Um, and doing activities in the backyard on weekends so we can alleviate that, uh, that sort of crush of attendance. Right. Um, but we just want people to keep coming back. And I'm sure they will. Well, not in your backyard, but maybe right across your street <laughs> is the Baton Rouge Gallery. Jason, you've been there for several years now, mm-hmm. but, but the gallery has been there for half a century. That's really yeah. hard to believe. And, it, and it's small, relatively, but mm-hmm. it is like a hidden gem in the city, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. What has sustained it over the years? Uh, a number of things, but I think, uh, first and foremost, the city itself. The city has shown an interest, shown an appreciation of the arts and of uh, local artists. One of the things, you know, one of the first questions we get asked um, when people come to visit the galleries, whether or not the artists that are being shown are local. Mm-hmm. Um, local matters to people here, and I think it's something that's really exciting and invigorating about the culture here. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm originally from Miami, and that wasn't necessarily a question that you would ask when you walked into a gallery in Miami. Um, so I think the, the support from the community, um, but also the support of the artists themselves. Yeah. Baton Rouge Gallery is unique in that it is an artist cooperative, it is so what does that mean exactly well it means it's a fancy way really of saying that the artists get to run the show uh, more so than they would in a normal uh, exhibition space or in a museum they are the only ones who can kick an artist out of the gallery they're the only ones who can bring an artist into the gallery wow. if the staff were to get a, an idea about um, an exhibition that they'd like to see or a program they'd like to see the artists have to sign off on that so it really gives the public I think an interesting look at what quality contemporary local art is from the artist's perspective as opposed to a single curator or an owner in a commercial gallery. Sure. Um, so it's it's a unique feature that has allowed the gallery to differentiate itself. Yeah, that's great. I didn't realize that. So if yeah. I'm an up-and-coming local artist, which mm-hmm. I'm not, you don't have to worry, but <laughs> and I want it in. Well, maybe you will could be. I, <laughs> could I join or Absolutely. would I have to be voted in by the other artist members? Well, the, you can join via the application process that we do on an annual basis. We actually just wrapped up our call to artists, which we do every fall, okay. and we had more artists than uh, any time in my 10 years at the gallery. Uh, over two dozen artists applied for artist membership. Um, representing a wide array of media that they work in, subject matter, color palettes, you name it. Um, So it's a really exciting process that we go through every year and gives us the opportunity to introduce new artists to the community or to give artists who the community might be familiar with another opportunity to uh, touch base with the, the community that they're a part of. And I would guess there's just, I mean, the whole impetus on local and the need for something like that, there just isn't that much... There's nothing else like this, really. And it really in started Ridge, out that is way. There? No, no. I, I mean, there, there are more places um, popping up, you know, in the time that I've been with the gallery and, and even been in Baton Rouge, I think there's been more and more places pop up 
um, around Baton Rouge, more opportunities for people to experience art in this city. Uh, but Baton Rouge Gallery first started because there was not a place for contemporary artists to show their work. There were eight uh, gentlemen who were either on faculty at LSU or were coming out of LSU. And the, the galleries, the opportunities that were here at the time just didn't support their kind of work. Um, so they really decided to start their own venue for it. And now we have nearly 60 artist members who are a part of the gallery. And it, it hopefully provides the city, the visitors to the city, an opportunity to experience that art um, that they might not have the opportunity, opportunity to see elsewhere. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Now, Peter, you were mentioning that y'all have had to really kind of get on your game quickly because kids are in school and, and so you're accommodating these huge crowds on weekends. What are some of the biggest surprises that you've had uh, just in terms of maybe which exhibitions the kids like the best or maybe the parking lot overfills because you've been so crowded or, you know, a million kids want to rent birthday party space there? Or? Yeah, well, all the above. Okay. So with, uh, with the, the, um, the parking, it has been a challenge because it fills up really quickly on weekends. So one of our creative solutions is to hire a bus service. So uh, or an orange school bus uh, shuttles people uh, from Picnic Hill over to uh, Knock Knock. And one That's of the over by the dog park? Yeah, program? exactly, okay. just below the dog park. Um, and so it's running on a continuous loop every Saturday and Sunday. And it turns out that children of our you know, age range love riding a school bus. So we've been getting <laughs> comments that it's one of the best parts about the, the experience is riding the school bus. And uh, one of the surprises with the exhibits that just kind of cracks me up is in our uh, go-go garage, kids can change tires on a car. Fine. And they'll get just absorbed in lug nuts. They can spend half an hour putting <laughs> lug nuts on a car and not like get anywhere else. Wow. Uh, so, but it, it's just great to see them yeah. finding all the different, you know, really interesting aspects of the museum. Is there one that's proven particularly popular or maybe one that's not doing as well as everybody had thought it might? You know, it, since we have such a high visitor uh, membership yeah. um, cohort, a lot of people are coming regularly. So you find the kids are starting to branch out into all areas of the museum. So, of course, the climber, everybody has to go through that <laughs> storybook climber. <laughs> first thing they do often, uh, that the go-go garage, partially because it's the first exhibition gotcha. in the museum. Uh, uh, we have this really cool exhibit called uh, Go Figure Playhouse, and it's a partnership with Mathematicum. It's a museum of math in Frankfurt, Germany. And it's, you know, it's math. So at first it wasn't that busy, but now it is has become one of the busiest um, exhibits. It, it, you might have to come a couple times before you find your way to those that math room, but it's super fun. That's great. So let's talk about the money of museums and galleries, because I know that's always the challenge. Who funds your museum or gallery, and, and how much you know? Do sponsorships and memberships make up total revenues? Uh, how much do you rely on grants and other outside sources? Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> all, of all of the above, absolutely. Um, for us, we have uh, revenues that come in from programming that we do. Uh, art sales is a, another uh, great source of revenue for us, but also grants. Um, the Decentralized Arts Fund is one that has uh, helped the gallery a great deal over the years. Um, and then much as, as I'm sure Peter would attest, you know, individual me members, donors, uh, people within the community who 
view the importance of the arts or of museums in general um, and the impact that they have on the quality of life here in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a diverse um, number of revenue streams that we depend on and hopefully one that we're growing as, as the years go on. Do the artists have to pay to be in the co-op? They do. They have um, annual dues of $100 per year. So not much. Not much, but they are you know, invested in terms of both finances and in terms of you know, their, their hand in the programming, the actual offerings that the gallery uh, gives to the community. And then if they sell some of their art at the gallery, mm-hmm. y'all get a cut of that. Correct. Yep. Okay. But it is, it is less than they would uh, normally see in a commercial gallery. Gotcha. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. We're talking to Jason Andreessen, executive director of the Baton Rouge Gallery, and Peter Olson, executive director of the Knock Knock Children's Museum. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. We're talking to Jason Andreessen, executive director of the Baton Rouge Gallery, and Peter Olson, executive director of the Knock Knock Children's Museum. I know, Peter, that fundraising for Knock Knock was a huge community endeavor that took years. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's not, I mean, it's not quite finished, is it? it When I heard you speak over the summer, you were still need more money. And we still do. Uh, The founders, who I respect so greatly, um, raised a bunch of money, but there's still 700,000 that we need to uh, bring in before the end of the year to close that capital campaign. Uh, and it's critical to, it doesn't matter how busy we are, uh, 40% of our revenue is going to need to come from fundraising, from uh, long philanthropy. Term. That, in other words, that's the business model long term. Yeah, yeah. We did extensive uh, research of other children's museums mm-hmm. and uh, worked on a, uh, with a consultant, a business plan consultant on an extensive performa. And it is typical to see... Um, a 60-40 split at a children's museum. 60% of your budget is from earned and 40% from contributed. And that's what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it, you know, just any nonprofit, any cultural organization, you just, you have to be, um, just keep at it every day. Um, and try to, try to be as open as we can to the community uh, so they want to participate, that they want to give back. Uh, and, you know, we want to be that trusted um, cultural educational resource that, that people do trust investing in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just we keep working at it every day. Yeah. And, and at the gallery, Jason, I mean, are you all constantly on a capital campaign fundraising mission? We're constantly fundraising, uh, constantly trying to reach out to new donors to explain the importance of the arts in general, to explain the importance of the gallery. Um, the impact that the gallery has had on the artists and the local art scene here in Baton Rouge, um, trying to grow that impact and make more and more people aware of the offerings um, that the arts can have in their own lives. Sure. Um, just making sure that um, more and more people understand how the arts can change the way you see yourself, the way you see your community, the way you see your world. Um, and the more you allow yourself to be exposed to that, um, the better off not only you, but your community will yeah. be. No question. 
Well, let's take a break from talking about business for just a minute to ask a fun question that we sometimes pose to our guests on this show to get to know them a bit better. We call it another great idea. So maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got a great idea for you. They tell you about the job you should apply for, the guy you should have a cup of coffee with, and you can take the advice, and sometimes it turns out to be really great, and sometimes it turns out to be a disaster. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had a great idea for you? And did you take that advice and how did it turn out? Well, that's a, a very interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> I think in our roles, we often get advice from people. Oh, sure. We have uh, many constituents to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I think I'd go back. I'd go back to my childhood. Uh, you know, I grew up, I, like you mentioned in the opening, I grew up on a dairy farm. So I've grew up with manual labor, you know, and mm-hmm. that went back generations in my family uh, doing farm work, working in the field, working in the barn. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, around middle school, junior high, I started developing a proficiency for, for academics. And um, my, my life started moving towards academics and extracurricular activities and all this stuff. And my, my, I remember my stepfather making a a comment about how how fortunate I was to to be able to um, work from thinking versus work from uh, having to you know get dirty mm-hmm. uh, 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 feed the cows uh, you know drive the tractor and all that stuff. So he he made it clear to me he, he made it. Um, visible to me at a young age that I was going to be a thinker and that's where where my life would go so I've you know I've turned out to be good advice it is it, it is well. and, I, and I still have gratitude to him for that that's wonderful what about you Jason uh well and I would also go back to my childhood I had my proficiency um my proficiency was probably more for argue being argumentative <laughs> uh, so I from an early age had a lot of people telling me that I should be a lawyer um, and that's that's how I ended and I ended up uh, pursuing that advice um, and it wasn't until later on in life that I uh, decided to look elsewhere but um, my wife actually we both lived in Miami and uh, when the first art basil started to open up in Miami uh, my wife who is a an artist and a painter she suggested that we go check this this event out this new event that was popping up and uh, was something that I had not heard of, something I wasn't aware of, and frankly, the arts weren't really a big part of my life early on as a child or anything, um, and so that was, going to something like Art Basel, while it's, it wasn't then what it is now, uh, but it still wasn't part of my normal mm-hmm. uh, activities, I guess, and she suggested that we go to that, and when I did, I think that was a moment, that was sort of an aha moment for me, um, because it ended up introducing me to a kind of art um, that changed my ideas of what art could be, the impact that it could have. Uh, there was a piece there, an installation by a gentleman named Tony Orsler, that was um, all sorts of projections of facial features on these weirdly shaped orbs that were on the floor of a convention center. And I could not wrap my head around what this was. And even though I didn't understand it, it was entrancing. It really... Okay. Uh, spoke to me and and we kept going back to it and uh, that was a moment where you know I realized you know here was a a new experience something that was uh, maybe a little strange um, but that was uh, an eye-opener for me. Do do you ever 
look look back at that incision point and think, what would my life All be the time. if I would yes. have followed? Yes. Oh yeah. That and then, I mean, the the number of it, it's like the old. Uh, the sliding doors movie or um, butterfly effect, all those kinds of things. You know, what would have happened if you hadn't taken that left right, turn? Right, right, right. Um, so there's, there's, who knows where things would have ended up had, had I not gone to that convention center that day. I'm actually having that, that moment right now. Today's, turns out, is my one-year anniversary of working for Knock Knock. Oh, congratulations. Right, Happy you. anniversary. I didn't even realize it, but uh, our, my operations staff gave me a little gift this morning, <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, it's 12 months. How That's is that possible? But, yeah. what? but this is probably not a place, at least, that you envisioned yourself ever, ever living. I mean, a dairy farm boy from <laughs> Minnesota, and even after you went into the museum business, you were in Minnesota for many years. Yeah. How did they get you down to Baton Rouge, That's, of all places? Well, the food helps, and <laughs> winters help quite a bit. Uh, you know, I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't looking to leave Mankato, but a headhunter reached out to me and started the recruitment process, and uh, just I fell in love with the project. And really? The, yeah, the vision of it and um, the opportunity, really, to make a big difference mm-hmm. and you know at that time last summer baton rouge was in a much different spot i yes. mean there was a lot of trauma going on and it just seemed like this is the right time to go do something that would have a have a real impact and um it it this 12 months feels like it literally feels like two months it's, it's just gone fast flown by and i'm just i feel like i'm just scratching the surface on getting to know all the rich, I mean, it's such a rich culture here. The food, the music, the festivals, it's my neighbors. I mean, they're awesome. And I, I've, uh, I look forward to things kind of settling down with Knock Knock and developing real um, consistent operations and um, being able to get out a little bit more. That's great. <laughs> and experiencing the city. I'm glad to hear it's been so positive for you. Yeah, it's, it's fun. very good. It's fun. So, you know, I talked at the beginning about the importance of museums and galleries in attracting, you know, the creative class professionals, you know, to a market and, and also just to the fabric of a community. Do you all feel that and do you see that day to day in your respective positions? Absolutely. I think um, I remember the Atlantic published a story a while back that I think in 2012, Baton Rouge as a city had lost something like 420 um, individuals. I had a net loss of about that many individuals with a college or graduate degree, mm-hmm. but had gained something like over a thousand uh, individuals that did not have any kind of college degree. Um, and I think arts and museums and and sort of that uh, creativity, the uh, level of intellectual curiosity that you want to see in a major city is uh, something that drives people who are looking for their next landing spot. And if we as a city want to continue to grow, continue to be um, that next great place for somebody um, or a company that is looking to uh, find the next great spot for talent, um, then museums and the arts are, are definitely going to be a part of that. I know. For me to move here, yeah, like having, me as well. Yeah, having gone to the uh, Baton Rouge Gallery, mm-hmm. uh, going to the Shaw Center, all those sorts of things, um, it definitely influenced my decision making on coming here. I know with with Knock Knock, our uh, current board chair, 
had lived in Indianapolis, and they have the world's biggest children's museum. Indianapolis it's, does. Yeah, it's just massive. Yeah. And uh, anyway, she brought their twins there every day in their cold <laughs> winter, and then they moved uh, down to Baton Rouge, and they're like, well, there's no children's museum. We need right. a children's museum. I, 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 I believe that if you're a young family, um, or you're looking to be a young family, having that children's museum or some sort, and, and other types of museums at your disposal. It's just it's yeah. how you choose to uh, locate nowadays. And, and I know, I remember from the opening, and I think things that you've said previously, you all really try to market not only to the families that can afford to buy memberships, but to all the children in this community to make that available, you know, that resource available to the lowest income public school students and, and the needy children in the community. Does the gallery, Jason, reach out to, or, or market even, to, to make kids aware of art? And do you have educational outreach programs? Absolutely. We, we uh, do everything we can to bridge the gap between audience and artists, um, no matter the age, whether we're talking about um, trying to bring in school groups or trying to bring in uh, groups from assisted living facilities with seniors. Um, we have programs, for example, like Movies and Music on the Lawn that um, provides an opportunity for families to come out and enjoy a silent film paired up with a live score performed by a local band. Uh, we actually just earlier this year, I think in, uh, at the beginning of September, had our first kids' night for that, where we had oh, that's great. Uh, not only films that were geared towards children, but the music that itself was actually done by bands of kids from Baton Rouge Music Studios. Shoot. So that was a really neat... Um, opportunity for us to, to provide something that uh, really reached out to the younger audiences in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I think as Jason and I have talked too, this yeah. is a great opportunity for us to be able to partner. Um, well, that was my next question. Yeah. There are opportunities for synergy between you, your institutions. I, yeah, I think we're, we're really lucky to be uh, it, with such close proximity in City Park. Um, obviously, you know, I'm sure Peter would say thank you as well to Breck for their support over the years. The gallery's been in City Park since 1984. As you mentioned, we, we just had our 50th anniversary uh, last year, but been in City Park and a part of that uh, area for more than 30 years now. And now to have the, the Children's Museum come and just make that, that area that much more vibrant is, is really exciting for us. So. Yeah, we got to keep having lunch and yeah, brainstorming we do. ideas. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh -huh. <laughs> Well, it's hard to believe, but we're out of time. Peter Olson and Jason Andreessen, y'all are both bringing something very special and important to Baton Rouge. And we're glad to hear your stories, glad to have you here in the community. So thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's wonderful. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Peter Olson of the Knock Knock Children's Museum and Jason Andreessen of the Baton Rouge Gallery. You can find out more about the Knock Knock Children's Museum and the Baton Rouge Gallery by following the links on our website. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Rusciutti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. You can get the show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. 
I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.